Hello and welcome to Colin Bradley Artcast. I'm Stephen Bradley. I'm Colin Bradley. Welcome everyone to episode six. Yeah, six already, Steve. Six already. It's six flying weeks ago. By. The weeks, aren't they? They are. They really are. And we're close to nearly a thousand downloads. Yeah, that's incredible. Seems like a milestone, doesn't it? But it, well, it will be, won't it? In five episodes. Yeah. yeah. And by the time, well, we're, we're 964 now. We're getting there. Yeah. By um, Monday, hopefully. Yeah. We hit our thousand mark. Excellent. It's great. Keep listening, folks. <laughs> Keep spreading the word. Yes. <laughs> so every week we start with a story. So, Dad, can you remind everyone where you got up to in your story last week? Yes. Well, if you remember, I had moved to Broadstairs. Yep. And opened the gallery. This is in the end of July, 1982. And Tony Blackman, who had the gallery in Gravesend, had given me a lot of contacts. He'd given me uh, antiquarian print contacts uh, and all the materials that I needed. I, I was really set up, and by the time we got to actual opening day, I had everything sorted out. But there was one thing that I really wanted, and that was some pen and ink drawings. You, if you remember last week, I was telling you, or it might have been the week before, telling you that Tony was a pen and ink artist. He used to do pen and ink work of local scenes around his area. And they all sold well. So I thought, well, you know, what would be nice is I had a couple of these uh, pen and inks of Broadstairs. So I had a word with Tony, and he said, no problem. Um, I've got a friend of mine who does my photography. So I sent him down to Broadstairs and he took a few photographs and he came back. I selected two or three and I said to Tony, can you make me, I commissioned you to make me a couple of pen and ink drawings so that I can sell them as prints in the gallery. Yeah, sure, he said. So anyway, he did them. Anyway, when I got them back, they didn't really measure up to what I wanted. I, I should explain to people that Broadstairs is a very pretty little quaint place and it's got lots of features in it which need to be shown, really, and people who visit the place would want reminders of those views. But these were distant views and they didn't really capture the place as far as I was concerned. So I thought, you know what I should do? I should have a go myself. I know what I'm looking for. So I selected two pictures which weren't the ones that I'd selected for Tony. And I thought, right, OK, here I go. So I, I had a couple of tries at it. And uh, at pen and ink? In pen and ink, yeah. So this is the first time you... I'd never touched pen and ink before. I got myself a rotaring pen, fine rotaring pen. I suppose mistakenly thought, well, I can do it, you know. I'm a professional artist. Uh, all I've got to do is just scribble a bit of, you know. That's what I think Tony does. He just scribbles pen and ink down. It was a bit ambitious, really. Anyway, it wasn't really working that well. So I thought, mm, that obviously is not for me. So I thought, oh, I'll just have to frame Tony's pictures up and sell them, which I did in, in the gallery. But I wasn't going to give up. And then I remembered, if, you, if I can digress for a moment, do you remember I did some bone china birds? This really started the ball rolling. Yeah. Well... I, what I didn't tell you is I also, when I was modelling these bone china burrs in plasticine, ready for John to uh, cast uh, in bone china, I used a plasticine mould, uh, plasticine, and I decided to try cottages, little, making little cottages up in three dimension. But I needed reference material, so what I did, I went to my local library, and I got a book of sort of Victorian buildings, Kent buildings. And they were lovely, beautiful pictures anyway. So I've made these 3D models. 
Now, the point of this story is the reference pictures that I was using was line drawings in pen and ink in the Victorian era. So they were line drawings done in the Victorian era by other artists just in pen, yes, in pen the, and ink? that's right. Yeah. But there's one artist in particular that I liked. Coming back to the present day, or 1982, I sort of... I wonder if I could follow the style, because I'd always admired these pictures. So I went along to my local library in Broadstairs, and I found the book. I studied it, and I thought, you know, if I followed the ideas he had of Linridge and um, perspectives and so on, maybe I can adapt the photographs, which I've got of Broadstairs, using this system. Anyway, I did. And do you know, I was very impressed with myself. <laughs> you know, and I really wasn't. I, I had these two pictures, one of Broadstairs uh, with the, the jetty and the boathouse, and the other was a view um, over the harbour with the boats. I had these printed up by my local printer, and I put these in the window, in my window, alongside uh, Tony's. So I had Tony's there. So you done pen and ink, and Tony's. So Tony's Tony had had he'd done two. I two I'd selected, and I'd done two, and I put them alongside each other. And I just waited for it to happen. As I said, it was I'd never done it before. It was brand new. Within a bit about a about a month, I think, from the from the actual opening to the time that these were on display. So it was quite quick. And do you know that they took off? Those two pictures of mine outsold Tony's 10 to 1. What, so you sold prints? Prints. You didn't sell the original? You just no, no, I wouldn't sell the original. No, I just made prints up. That's yeah. what Tony used to do. He used to make prints up. Yeah. We just had the black and white prints, and they were selling like hotcakes. They were. I, I couldn't believe it. And I thought, wow. So I, I carried on doing pen and ink work. But the, the secret, Steve, was the, the way I'd done it. I mean, if, if uh, people are interested, I'm sure that they are, and they'd like to go back to the uh, wishing well. Do you remember we did that? It's on yep. the member site. They can see that that was the kind of thing that I did. Very simplistic, really. And I think no, a lot of pen and ink artists used to scribble and scrape and shade. It didn't really uh, look that good. They like blotches. Um, but these were, I used, the closer the line, the darker the colour. The lighter the line, the lighter the colour. That's in the shading. So instead of putting shading in, uh, as you would do in a pencil, uh, graphite pencil, you used to put lines in. You'll see that if you go and have a look at that uh, wishing so, well. So were these the techniques that you saw, that, was it similar to what you saw in that book? that yes. Victorian people. So you pre yes. effectively taught yourself from a book of Victorian pictures, buildings, and buildings and, yeah. mm -hmm. that someone had done in pen. And that's ink. right, that's right. How long ago? Like, well, I would think they, would, they were probably done in around 1860. Wow. That's all the time. Amazing. It was quite incredible. I mean, and I was on my own. The interesting thing was that I'd been selling for about three or four months, and they were selling well. And then I had a, a few people used to come and say, have you got these in colour? I said, well, no, I'm sorry, they're, they're pen and ink, they're black and white, you can't have colour, you know. Well, why can't you colour them? Anyway, I thought, well, maybe I could. Let me do a side issue here for the moment and tell you that I used to have antiquarian prints. Now, these antiquarian prints... Explain what are, antiquarian prints... An antiquarian prints. print is a print that was very, very often taken from books. They were, the books were, regrettably, chopped up. And the prints out of them, which depicted scenes, 
in my case, well, I wanted local scenes of Broadstairs and surrounding area. These were uh, done with uh, in, in plate form. This was before the days of photography. You know, we're going back to 1840, 1850, so there wasn't photography then. The illustrators used to have to do engravings, you know, black and white engravings. It's the only way they could uh, depict scenes, and they had books full of these pictures. The reason I mention that is these weren't in colour. These were all black and white. I'd noticed that the person that was selling me the antiquity, one of the contracts that Tony gave me, some of them were in colour and some of them weren't. And I said, well, how come some of these are in colour? He said, oh, they just put a wood colour wash on. I thought, hey, I could Light do that. Light bulb moment. Yeah, Bing. I can do that. So I learned a lot about it because you can't just put watercolour on because these, uh, these original uh, antiquarian prints uh, were done in a, an absorbent paper. They, they, they weren't intended to be coloured. So consequently, if you were to put watercolour directly on them, it would go straight into the paper and they'd look a mess. So what you had to do was to size the paper by putting a gelatin wash over it first. Okay, and that put a size on the paper. Once a gelatine washed, once it was all dry, you could then put watercolour and tint them. Now, it was a really a tinting process as opposed to a colouring process. Anyway, I was, I've been doing this for a little while now, so I thought, why can't I do this? Well, you, you've done watercolour for, oh, you know, that's all you were... Many, you many were, years. Yeah, so then you, you learned pen and ink, so then it's combining the two that you're that's already familiar with. the two together. That's exactly, that's what happened. So I did these, and uh, I did the first few. They took off too. And I've got to say that the first Christmas, which was four months after I opened, July down to December, uh, I was right up till late Christmas Eve still painting these pictures because they were in my window and people liked them. So they used to come. I'd never seen anything like it in Broadstairs. So they used to come along and, and I was uh, really doing very well. Selling the originals or the prints? No. The, well, you could say that they were prints. They were prints, but the original watercolour on So them. you used to print your pen wash and ink. Print. You used to do, you do the prints of the pen and ink, mm -hmm. and then you'd put the wash over the pen and ink. That's right. And you know what, interestingly enough, Mum and I were out the other day, and we passed a charity shop in Broadstairs, and would you believe, two of my prints were there, the two that I'd, I'd done. Your yep. charity. No, they were, and they were selling for more than I actually paid for them originally. In a charity shop, folks. <laughs> so I was quite Why did you get them? No, no, I, I no. You could show people on the, on I, the website. I, I could have, well, this was before this. I could have done, yes. I can't show you because I, I, unless I get hold of them, I haven't got them anymore. They've gone way, way into the, but I'm sure that around and about Broadstairs, there's several hundreds of them. <laughs> but uh, what I'm saying is that this was, it was a turning point. It was another area of uh, expertise that I thought, oh, I can do that. And actually I did. When I look back now, I think, what a cheek, you know, as a professional artist, only for a couple of years, got hold of a medium who had never done anything like it before. And within a few weeks, I was selling the things. And they were, they were selling like hotcakes as well. Wow. And that kept us going for about uh, 15 years. Right. <laughs> so I got my money out of that. <laughs> the same. Actually, interestingly enough, two years after... I uh, did the original ones. I did them again because I, by then I'd learned quite a lot more about pen and ink. And I thought, well, you know, I think I'll redo these. So I actually redid them. And a lot of people will have the later ones rather than the earlier ones. They were the same pictures, but just a little bit. 
that's I think I better leave it there, Steve. I think you're going to leave it there. I think I'll leave it there, and we can we'll find. I tell you how the um, I tell you how the opening evening went, which was a few months after. I opened. I'll tell you about that next so week. So you 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 opened. We opened, but we we, didn't we had an official opening. Right. Right. Okay. By a, a dignitary. I'll tell you about it next week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That's fascinating. It goes to show how things just by almost by chance, mm. but obviously you made them happen. But mm. just how things worked out. Putting skills together. This is a thing, you know, and and demand once again. Uh, people were demanding and I withdrew Tony's pictures altogether in the end I, I didn't sell them anymore moving on now we've got some questions quite a lot of questions come in uh, in the last we week have, yes. um, so we're going to try and cover as many as we can the first one came on our Facebook page and it's from Kerry and she says hi Colin love the podcast and enjoying watching your videos in fact I can waste a whole lot of time watching them over and over but I would like what I would like to ask is which, in your opinion, is the best way to store pictures? Also, do you spray them or not? Yes, yeah, several people have brought the fixing up, Steve, and it is very important. Most of you know that I don't like to fix my picture, That's and the right. reason I I don't do that is because it tends to dull the picture down, takes the life out of it. It makes the picture look drab. That's the best I can describe, and the people that have done this will probably recognise it. It's always the lighter colours that look drab, skies and so on. So I wouldn't... My, my advice is don't fix. What are the downsides to not fixing your picture? You, they are liable to smudge. So, but, you know, I mean, folks, I've been using pastel pencils for 26 years, something like that now, and it's never created a problem for me. If you can, but the storage is the important thing. I mean, if you you've got to protect them. What I do is I have a, you know, a film, a, a transparent, uh, you know, like a cellophane film bag, and I put it in that, and that protects them. You can either that way, of course, you can see through the transparent screen, so you can see what your picture is. And I, I did have, uh, I can't remember it was Diane, I think. Anyway, she she said, well, I put a sheet of paper in. And that's fine. You can do that too. The only problem with putting a sheet of paper between the transparent uh, film and the picture is you can't see the picture. <laughs> Just looking at a blank piece of paper. Yes, unless you write on the on the piece of paper what it is. is. Yeah, you know, Gordon the Gorilla or whatever. Lovely, you know. lovely picture behind yeah. this picture. <laughs> but but you know that's the best way of storing or framing. Framing a picture, or mounting and framing a picture, that's the other way. But, I mean, that's not very practical if you build them up. Okay, great. Well, thanks, Kerry, for that question. Next one we have is quite a long one from Karen. She asks, uh, in the, uh, the first part of this the question, uh, in the States, we would call this your elevator speech. Uh, the first time I've heard that. She says, what advice would you give someone who is considering a career as an artist such as yourself? I'd like to hear specifically what your challenges are. For example, dealing with unreasonable requests, etc. how you feel about painting subjects or even people that you simply don't like. Do you still get enjoyment and creativity out of it, even if you don't like what you've been asked to paint? A broad question, I realise, but I'm interested in your thoughts, as always. This is really interesting, and, and we could go on quite a lot about this. We because, could. Because it's actually, obviously, people are hearing through the podcast how you became a professional artist. That's but right. For anyone out there that wants to pursue it themselves, it's mm. going to be a whole other story. Mm. Well, first of all, you can't really say I'm going to be a professional artist 
from the word dot. You can't do that. I became a professional artist only after, you know, um, having people like my work, having people buy my work. Uh, I never class myself. I still really don't, you know. It's strange, isn't it? I still don't class myself as an artist. I class myself as an art tutor more than I do an artist. So I think you would probably be best to pursue your passion to start with and get as much under your belt as you can, as much advice under the, under your belt as you can before you even think about going professional. I mean, I was lucky I opened a gallery, so I had a good backing. I had framing, I had antiquarian prints, I had support of other local artists who I was selling their work for, as well as my own. If I had just relied on my own work, I wouldn't have made any money at it. I only sold the, the, you know, the occasional original painting. You could class my prints, uh, I suppose, pose as a professional artist work because I sold hundreds and hundreds of them but but really we're looking at I think uh, really getting you can't just say I want to become a professional artist you've got to work at it to start with I would say okay she says that she wants to hear specifically what challenge what your challenges are yes this is difficult isn't it what challenges are well one of the challenges you have is the commission work because um I used to do when I took up the pastel pencils particularly I used to paint for people they'd bring, bring Fido in or Tiddles in and say because I used to take photographs of the animals or they would supply me with uh, photographs which was even worse I remember I, once upon a this, is, this will give you an example of what happened somebody bought me a picture in of an awful Westie I think it was West Highland Terrier it was an awful picture and I said well I'm sorry um, can you find something else? Well, no, I'm afraid the dog's dead. I said, oh. Anyway, I thought, well, I'll give it a go. So I did this picture, and it was awful. I mean, if you have an awful picture, you have an awful painting. The lady didn't want it. <laughs> she didn't <laughs> no, want it. They didn't want it. And I'm not surprised. I, to be honest, I don't think I would have sold it to her. So this is the kind of thing that can happen i mean you, we do have our downsides but generally speaking i wouldn't do that I, I would i would insist on i did have somebody from the states uh through a, a friend of mine said i want you to do a picture i'd love to do this picture of this dog for us uh, and i can send it across to the states and they've given me quite a lot of photographs i suppose it was about 18 20 pictures i didn't like any of them i said i'm sorry they're no good get me some more and they had to go back to them again and get another load and fortunately the second lot I could find something that I liked so if you're looking at downsides that's one of them you've got to be picky works. you've yeah. got to be picky you've got to because this that basically that answers her question about do you still get enjoyment creativity out even if you don't like this uh, what you've been paying, asked to paint I'm afraid the answer to that is no I don't no it's better to paint for yourself folks well that covers that question Thanks, Karen, for that. That's a great question. I hope that's been useful. Okay, the next question we have in is off of our YouTube channel. And he, uh, I think it's Kenneth, uh, 2125 Kenneth is his YouTube name. And he asks, hello, Colin, may I say that, tu that your tuition with this medium is wonderful? I just wanted to ask if you had any tips for producing a line drawing of which the pencil lead does not blend with the pastel. I've previously had problems with this. Yes, this is actually a good question, Steve. There is a very simple answer to that, and that is you use a harder pencil. Very often people draw with a 2B, a B or a 2B pencil. 
even a 3B or 4B, you know, because it's soft and you can smudge it and, and you make a really a better job of drawing with graphite by using the softer leads. However, the pastels don't like it. If that has to go over the top of the softer leads, it just actually works like another pastel pencil, so it discolours the pastel that goes on top. And the way to get out of it is to use a harder pencil. HB pencil is ideal, or HB even an HB1. I know you're going to argue, well, yes, but you get a harsher line. You know, it's, a, it's not as soft. It doesn't have to be. If you're using pastel pencils, it's the pastel pencils that are going to make everything soft. All you're looking is a line. So I would use a, an HB or HB1, or even harder if you can get away with it. That doesn't smudge, then. Excellent. Okay, I think we should leave it there for today. We've covered quite a lot. We had. Do you know, it's amazing how time flies, Steve. It's, I can't believe it's it. It's flying. I'm looking at the ticker here and it's ticking, ticking over. And I'm thinking, mm. wow, <laughs> <laughs> we should call it quits today. <laughs> <laughs> and you know something that we haven't done and perhaps we can do it next week because people are going to say, last week he left us on a cliffhanger. Do you remember? We haven't got time for it now, I know, because it can take forever. Do you remember? Remind, remind, tease us all again. (laughs) Well, you remember your friend, you know, and my friend Chris. He came in and he done this picture, and he was looking at my work and he said, "How do you do it?" And I couldn't tell him, but I actually did know. He said, "How do you do this? How do your pictures look so real?" Because his pictures were brilliant. Every 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 fine line, every hair. I told him, oh, I don't know, Chris, I don't know. But I did. I did know, but I couldn't tell him. And I was going to tell you this week, but I can't tell you this oh. week. I haven't got time. <laughs> <laughs> we have to but we'll have to definitely have to do it next week because it is a very interesting... I mean, it's the, you know, the, the, it's what's inside, the creativity. The creativity okay. It's inside you. Okay. Right? Okay, I have to wait for that, listeners, till next week. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I should have thought of it earlier for you. <laughs> that's all right, that's all right. We got carried away. Okay, well, that's it for this week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Stephen Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. Enjoy, Enjoy your week. week. Shall I put the kettle on, Steve? Ah, wouldn't suit you. Oh.